and good evening, everybody. How are you? It is Sunday, April 18th, 2021, and it's time for our next edition of Star Trek Radio Theater here on Live Long and Podcast. This is our 12th radio theater for this second season. And uh, for this episode, um, we are doing Star Trek D Space Nine, the episode called Arman Bashir, which is from their fourth season, the 10th episode. It aired November 22nd, 1995. It's 2372 in terms of Star Trek years. The story is by Bob Gillen with a teleplay by Ronald D. Moore, who was one of our favorites. I want to give a big thanks to Ashley and Kevin Millard for helping get the script together and all of that. We'll jump into the episode. It's going to be like a James Bond kind of story, but not James Bond because of cease and desist. Okay, let's go. We focus on the hollow suite, Paris nightclub. A man with an eye patch goes flying backwards through a large decorative wall of glass. He's just been thrown through by Julian, who's wearing a tuxedo and an air of nonchalance. A blonde in a red dress offers him a bottle of Dom. Bashir inspects the bottle, and in its dark glass, he sees the reflection of his assailant approaching from behind. Bashir turns, still holding the bottle, and fires the champagne cork at him. This does what the giant wall of glass couldn't, and renders the man unconscious. A lot of kick for a 45 Dom. Mmm. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Bashir. Julian Bashir. Hmm. That delivery. Those initials. They sound so familiar. Bashir pulls the blonde into a kiss, but is interrupted by the sound of clapping. We see Garrick in the room with them, also wearing a tux. Who's that? An uninvited guest. Excuse me. Nice tux. Thank you. Now get out. But doctor, I've only just arrived. Breaking into a hollow suite during someone's program is not only rude, it's illegal. I should call Odo and have you arrested. It's no wonder Garrick has snuck into Bashir's program, though. It combines his two great loves, spies, and a well-tailored suit. What an extreme reaction that would be. You must be very embarrassed by this program. I'm not embarrassed, I'm annoyed by you. You have intruded into my privacy. Oh, privacy indeed! I think it goes far deeper than that, Doctor. Ever since you've received this new program, you spent virtually every hour, free hour in the holosuite. But you haven't told anyone what the program is. Am I supposed to? No, 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 no. But you're such a, forgive me, a talkative man. And it's so unusual for you to have secrets. Ah, uh, I must have picked up that habit from you. Now, if you will excuse me. Is this fantasy of yours really, truly revealing of your inner psyche? What? Is that why you're so protective? Are you afraid that I'll find out some humiliating secrets of the real Julian Bashir? This is a fantasy. I'm not hiding anything. Well, if you have nothing to hide, then why not let me stay? All right. Now, I have work to do. Now, in two hours, I would like to enjoy myself, so keep quiet and don't rain on my parade. Parade? Never mind. Don't worry, Doctor. I can be very discreet. You'll barely know that I'm here. Julian's blonde friend seems annoyed at this turn of events and begins to leave. Good. But if I may make one observation... Garrick. I only want to point out that your lovely companion is leaving. Odd. She seemed so interested in your advances just a moment ago. I wonder what scared her away. Bashir gives Garrick a look. Oh, no. Uh, I do apologize. You must be incensed. Uh, in, in fact, if I were in your shoes, I would grab a bottle of champagne and shoot me. <sighs> I can see I'm going to regret this. Don't worry, Doctor. We're going to have a wonderful time. After all, 
could possibly go wrong? focus on the hollow suite, Bashir's apartment. It's a 1960s luxury penthouse. You live here? That's right. Decorate it yourself. The decor is appropriate for the period of 1964. How did you pronounce the name of this city? Kowloon. It's a part of Hong Kong. And the nightclub was in Paris, which, if I remember correctly was on the other side of the planet. The door to the apartment opens, and there stands the obligatory Bond girl, with the deeply suggestive name, plunging neckline and knee-high boots. She is carrying a large case. Mr. Bashir, I didn't expect you home so soon. Ah, I decided to leave Paris a little early. Allow me to introduce my friend, Mr. Garrick. Got it. This is my personal valet. Mona loves it. Pleased to make your acquaintance. Would you like to change into something more? That would be perfect. See if we can find Mr. Gaddock something as well. I'll see what I can do. Would you like me to put this away? She holds up the briefcase. Please. Care for a drink? Not just yet. Mona goes to a big mirror and presses a button. It rotates to reveal an arsenal of weapons. Garrick watches with interest. Is she your valet or your personal assassin? Valet. Mona's very capable. She speaks seven languages, has degrees in biology, chemistry, physics, can fly anything from a jet to a helicopter, and makes an excellent martini. Cheers. Is there anything else I can do for you? I'll let you know. I take it your character is some kind of rich dilettante with a fascination for women and weapons. <laughs> Actually, my character is far more disruptible. I'm a spy. <laughs> a spy? And you live here? Yes. I work for one of the nation states of this era, Great Britain which is battling various nations in what we call the Cold War. This apartment, my clothes, weapons, even my valet, were provided to me by the government. I think I joined the wrong intelligence service. We focus on the runabout Orinoco. Cisco, Kira, O'Brien, Dax, and Worf are all aboard. Orinoco to Deep Space Nine. This is Captain Cisco requesting landing clearance. Welcome back, Captain. You're cleared to sit down on landing pad 3. How was the conference? Informative, but I've got a ship full of tired officers here. I think we'll all be happy to be in our own beds tonight. I can imagine. There's some message traffic from Starfleet Command for you to look at, but nothing... Captain, there's some kind of power surge in the warp car. Looks like the fluctuation in the plasma coils. We better take the warp core offline. I can't. There's something wrong with the command control systems. I'm completely locked out. Magnetic interlocks are failing. Warp core breach is imminent. Eject the warp core. The ejection systems are responding. Correction. The ejection system is missing. We've been sabotaged. Ten seconds to warp core breach. Orinoco, cut your impulse engines and drop your deflectors. We're going to try to beam you out of there. Acknowledged. Cut main power. We focus on ops. I've locked on. Energizing. The away team has just started to beam in when the runabout explodes and some sort of energy pulse interrupts the beam-in process.
Eddington rushes down to the pit as Odo comes running into ops. What happened? Captain Sisko's runabout exploded while I was trying to beam them back. We focus on ops. Some of the energy traveled back along the transporter beam and blew up the primary energizing coils. Do we still have the pants? Yes, they're in the buffer. But the patterns will start to degrade if not used immediately. We need to store the patterns somewhere. This is more complicated than just an ordinary transporter pattern. We're going to have to preserve all the neural signatures of everyone on that runabout. Do you know how much memory it would take to save just one person's neural signature? Much less five? I don't think we have a choice. Computer, I need to store all the data currently in the transporter pattern buffer. Where can I save it? There's insufficient computer memory to save the data. The pattern buffer's beginning to lose coherence. The patterns will start to degrade any second now. Computer, what if we wiped all computer memory in every system on the station and then stored the patterns? The procedure has not been tested. It cannot be predicted. The buffer is depolarizing. Computer, this is a command priority override. Wipe all computer memory necessary in order to save the patterns from the buffer. Authorization Eddington 05 Alpha Douchebag. <laughs> Executing command override. The lights go out. Monitors display streams of numbers. Tricorder! The buffers lost coherence. The patterns are gone. Did the computer save them in time? I think so, but I'm not sure where. We focus on the holosuite, Bashir's apartment. Mona helps Garrick into a casual sport coat over top of a turtleneck top. Bashir has also changed out of his tux into a more casual suit and tie. Thank you, my dear. Yes, this should do nicely. Although I'm not too sure about the collar. It's perfect. I'll have these cleaned right away. Thank you. Mona leaves. Isn't this a rather ostentatious life for a spy? It's all part of my cover. I'm posing as a wealthy jet setter, uh, so I have to act like one. Jet setter? People of this era used to travel in. There is a thump off screen. Bashir draws his gun, then presses a button. The Bart rotates to reveal a bed. Kira is on the bed, in a very thin and revealing nightgown, and speaking with a Russian accent. Julian, I must have fallen asleep. Julian turns to Garrick. He is not pleased. Very funny. Who else did you invite along with you today? This wasn't my idea. Major? Colonel, actually. Colonel Anastasia Komonenov, KGB. Oh, Julian. I never thought I'd see you again. Not after you fell out of the dirigible over Iceland. I had a parachute, and there was a submarine there waiting for me. But how do you know about that? Have you been downloading my Holosuite programs? Oh, Julian, you are not well. Let's lie down. I must say, Major Kira is certainly throwing herself into the role, Doctor. Nariz, please. Who is this Major Nerys Kira. Kira Nerys, actually. Perhaps this isn't Major Kira after all. I'm beginning to think you are right. Computer, restore the image of Kono Komumanov to its original parameters. Unable to comply, the character parameters of Colonel Komumanov are correct. I'd say someone's been tampering with your program, Doctor. Julian, we don't have time for games. There is much to talk about. Excuse me, computer. Freeze program. Unable to comply. Computer control has been disrupted due to station-wide emergency. Emergency? Bashir to ops. What's going on? We focus on ops. It's still dark. Odo and Eddington are scanning with their tricorders. <laughs> We've got a handful right now, Doctor. Stand by. Odo, wait. Doctor, where are you? And do you have access to a working computer console? 
I'm in Holosuite 3. The program's running, but it won't comply with my commands. The program is still running? I demand to know who you are talking to. Julian, tell me. That sounded like Kira. Not exactly. <laughs> Someone has replaced one of my characters with an image of Major Kira. What's going on? Stay where you are, Doctor. Keep the program running for now. We'll get right back to you. We focus on the Holosuite, Bashir's swinging apartment. Julian, talk to me. Tell me, what is happening? I'm not sure myself. Ops to Bashir. Doctor, whatever you do, don't end that program. Why not? There's been a transporter accident. We believe the Holosuite Memory Core is holding the transporter patterns of five crew members. If you stop the program, their patterns might be lost. How could that happen? It's a long story, but at this moment, the patterns of Captain Sisko, Kira, Worf, Dax, and O'Brien exist only in the Holosuite database. Don't leave the Holosuite. If you do, it might disrupt the hollow imaging array. And right now, we can't take any chances. We'll have to stay in there and keep the program running for now. Understood. We'll get back to you, Doctor. Julian sits down on the bed uneasy. Kira comes up behind him and wraps herself around him. Oh, Julian, you're so tense. It's been one of those days. Kira lays down on the bed. I wish I could relax you, but I am here on business. She reaches behind the pillow, sits up, and hands Julian a file folder. In the last 24 hours, a series of earthquakes have struck cities from Vladiskodoskov to New York. Our seismologists have analyzed the earthquakes and come to the conclusion that they are artificial. So? That's not so difficult. One only has to... Gadek. Your friend seems to know something. Believe me, he knows nothing. If you say so. Because of global nature of this crisis, my government and yours have decided to cooperate. We will be working very closely. I'm sure we will. Our assignment is to find out who caused the earthquakes and what they want. A rather vague assignment. We have one clue. One of the world's leading seismologists, Professor Hannibal, has vanished. We believe she has been kidnapped. Kira, as Anastasia, hands Julian a large envelope. He takes out the picture and stares at it for a moment. I did not think she was your type. You said she's been kidnapped. We think so. She disappeared only a few hours before the first earthquake struck New York City. Doctor, we're in the middle of an emergency. Is this really the time to be playing games? Bashir shows him the photo of Honeybear. Look. Interesting. The photo is of Dax in a lab coat, glasses, and bun. If Honeybear is killed the computer will erase a character from the program. Now, since the program thinks Dax is Honeybear... The computer would actually be erasing Commander Dax's pattern. Uh, Kira, uh, Anna, do you have any idea where Professor Bear is? She was last seen. The doors open to reveal Mona holding the tuxedos. I'll be right with you, Mona. Mona falls forward with a knife in her back. Two thugs with guns enter, followed by O'Brien wearing an eye patch. Chief! No, it's Falcon. Nice to see you, Mr. Bashir. Now I think we have a little unfinished business. O'Brien, as Falcon, pulls a gun out of his jacket and points it at Bashir, and cue the music. Surprised to see me, Mr. Bashir. You can say that? Well, you should have used something a little more lethal than a campaign cork. Something like this. Falcon <laughs> prepares to fire his gun. Wait! Wait, please! Let us have one last kiss! Why not? I've always been a romantic at heart. Kira, as Anastasia, stands lip to lip with Bashir. Eric, 
Falcon turns his back as they kiss, and Bashir removes Kira's large pearl earring. All right, Bashir, that's enough. Bashir tosses the earring at Falcon, and it explodes. Bashir takes on one thug and Garrick the other. Kira takes care of Falcon. Interesting jewelry. I bought those for Anastasia last Christmas. You're bleeding. The hollow sweet safeties must be off. Time to clip these birds' wings. She points a gun at O'Brien, who is passed out on the floor. No! Yet! What do you think you are doing? We can't kill him. Julian, what are you saying? He's been trying to kill you for nine years. I wouldn't dismiss her idea so quickly, Doctor. But that's Miles. No, as you pointed out, he's Falcon. A hired assassin who's going to do everything he can to kill you. And without the Hollow Sweet safeties in place, he may just do that. Well, what do you want me to do? Kill him? I want you to stop treating this like a game where everything's going to turn out all right in the end. Real spies have to make hard choices. You want to save Dax? Fine. But you ha- may not have the luxury of saving everyone. Who is Dax? Eventually, you may have to let someone die. I'll deal with that situation if and when it happens. In the meantime, we have to find Dax. Who is Dax? Anna, I promise I'll explain everything later. Now, you said Professor Bear has been kidnapped? Do you have any suspects? We believe that Dr. Noah is behind abductions. During the last two years, he has kidnapped elite group of 60 artisans and scientists from around the world. No one knows why or where he has taken them. But our sources tell us that each of the missing peoples has invited to meet Dr. Noah at club in Paris shortly before they disappeared. The club in Jouin? Da. I had a feeling. (laughs) Julian walks over to Mona, pauses for a moment to look at the knife in her back, and then grabs the tuxedos. Sorry, my dear. I hope you remember how to tie down a bow tie. We're going to Paris. Julian and Garrick leave the room. Who is Dax? <laughs> we focus on the hollow suite corridor. Rom, Cork, Odo, and Eddington are crowded around an open panel outside the hollow suite. I've had to make a few modifications to this hollow suite over the years. A few? It's like a junkyard in here. My brother won't let me buy new components, so I've had to scavenge for what I need. I'm barely breaking even on the hollow suites as it is. If I had to buy new equipment every time there was a glitch. Where's the core memory interface? Oh, that's right behind the spatula. The spatula? It's made of copper uranium composite. The perfect plasma conductor. Eddington scans the innards with a tricorder. I found them. All five of their physical patterns are here and they're stable. Why here? The Holosuite is specifically designed to store highly complex energy patterns. The computer's processing their physical patterns as if they were Holosuite characters. Trouble is, I'm not reading any neural energy. Neural energy has to be stored at the quantum level. The Holosuite can't handle that. So if their physical bodies are stored here, where are their brain patterns? Everywhere else. Their brain patterns are so large that they're taking up every bit of the computer memory on the station. Replicator memory, weapons... Life supports. P may be right. So what do we do about it? How do we get them back? We focus on the hollow suite, a Paris nightclub. The place is exactly what you would expect of a fancy Paris nightclub in the 60s. Fancy draperies, gold trimmings, a cigarette girl, and go-go dancers on little stages. Julian, Garrick, and Kira walk in. A host greets them. I'd like to see Dr. Noah. I have an invitation. The host goes behind a decorative glass wall, speaks to a mysterious figure, then gestures for them to come over. A large figure in a white jacket is playing Baccarat. He stands and turns, and we see that it is Worf. May I see your invitation? Dr. Noah, 
I am Duchamp. I am Dr. Noah's associate. May I? Bashir joins the game. My name is Merriweather, Patrick Merriweather, and this is my wife, Anastasia, and my friend, Mr. Gaddick. Worf kisses Kira's hand. Charmed. Your invitation, Mr. Merriweather. Uh, I don't have one. Dr. Noah does not like unexpected guests. I believe Dr. Noah would be very interested in meeting my husband. He is one of leading geologists in the world. <sighs> now, or why would that interest Dr. Noah? We believe he's taken quite an interest in the sciences. After all, he has invited several of the world's top scientists to this club. Isn't that true? I must say I feel a little insulted by being left out of such an illustrious group. How unfortunate. Of course, a meeting can still be arranged. Oh. For a price. Oh. Five million francs. No problem. Bashir reaches into his jacket and pulls out his wallet. He takes a single banknote out and places it on the table. I do not understand. Where's the rest of your money? Right in front of you. Shall we begin? We focus on ops. A Cardassian separatist group calling themselves the True Way has claimed responsibility for sabotaging the runabout. Ever heard of them before? They're opposed to the peace treaty. They blame the Federation for Cardassia's economic and political troubles, etc., etc. Until now, they've never committed any terrorist action to support their beliefs. What have you found? That they believe in what I believe. From what I can tell, Orc was right. The computer has stored the neural energy patterns of everyone on the runabout throughout the entire station. Hmm. Don't everybody thank me at once. What we need to do is reintegrate their neural patterns with their physical patterns from the holosuite and rematerialize them. I say we use the Defiant. Its power systems and computers are independent of the station, and it has its own transporter. Sounds good, except... Except what? Well, my equipment isn't designed to interface with Starfleet systems. I may have to make some modifications. We focus on the Holosuite, Paris nightclub. Julian and Worf are still playing cards. There is a big pile of money on the table, and Bashir is holding a three and a two. Cod. It's a four. Nine. Five million francs. You're quite the Baccarat player, Mr. Merriweather. Baccarat and geology are my life. Now then, Mr. Duchamp, I believe we've met your conditions? Worf takes a red-banded cigar from his case. When do we leave? Right now. He puts the cigar up to his lips and blows a powder into their faces. <laughs> they all pass out. We focus on the hollow suite, a sitting room. It is an extremely opulent sitting room. Julian, Garrick, and Kira are all passed out on couches. Snow-capped mountains are visible through the picture windows behind them. They begin to wake up. Oh, another decorator's nightmare. This era has a distinct lack of taste. Where are we? Oh, yes! Welcome to paradise, Mr. Merriweather! It's Captain Sisko, but he's a Bond villain. I believe you've been looking for me! My name is Hippocrates Noah! Mr. Merriweather, I understand your field is geology. That's right. Then I'm sure you can appreciate these stones in my most recent acquisition. Julian inspects the ornate jeweled vase on the table in front of him. A most striking display of rubies, tourmaline. Sapphire, topaz, judging by the high chromium content in the rubies, uh, I'd say they come from the hydrothermal deposits on the Tibetan Plateau, which isn't surprising considering we're on the South Asian slope of Mount Everest at about 22,000 feet, I should say. 
25, actually. Ah, you must not get many Taurus. My guests and I place a premium on our privacy. You don't want any unwelcome guests, such as men sent by governments who disagree with my political philosophy. And what is your philosophy? Are you some kind of anarchist? Quite the opposite, ah, yes. I believe in an orderly world. A far cry from the chaos we find ourselves in today. We are building a new future here. A new beginning for mankind. A new chapter in human history will open right here on my island, yes. Island? Forgive me. Sometimes I do a get ahead of myself. Allow me to explain. Ah, yes. Cisco pushes a button and the oak paneled wall raises to reveal a controlled center with an illuminated world map on the wall. Dax, as Dr. Honeybear, is there making notes on the clipboard. We're almost ready. I've programmed the laser sequence and I'm making some last minute adjustments to a South American site. Ah, yes! I do have every confidence in you, my dear. She's working with him. You see, Mr. Merriweather, not only do I intend to create a new future, I intend to create a new world! Ah, yes! At each one of these points, I have hidden for a new form of laser. One that can penetrate the Earth's crust down into the mantle itself. Ah, yes. The global earthquakes. Those were only tests. Soon I will activate all of these lasers together. And when I do, they will produce worldwide earthquakes. Ah, yes, the likes of which we have never been fed before. Killing everyone on the holographic planet. Oh, yes, more than that, there comes a time when a house has been so damaged by termites that you must not only kill the termites, but demolish the house and build again. The quakes are only a minor side effect. The real goal of these projects is to have these lasers of mine produce massive features in the Earth's crust releasing millions of tons of molten lava. Now, Mr. Merriweather, you're the geologist. Tell me what happens next, oh yes. Once that much lava is released, the tectonic plates would begin to settle. And the surface of the planet will shrink, just like letting air out of a balloon, oh yes. But if surface of the Earth shrinks, the oceans will cover the earth diabolical visionary i am going to let mankind begin anew here on this island paradise oh yes the only place that will remain above water on my brave new world oh yes and that is why i have gathered the finest minds oh yes the very best that mankind has to offer we will repopulate and start a new human race pity you won't be able to join us oh no are you revoking my invitation Oh, I intend to do more than that, Mr. Bashir. <laughs> Not only have I bought the brought the greatest mines to my mountain retreat, but I have also hired the greatest protection that money can buy. Oh, yes. I believe you already know my newest employee. It's O'Brien as Falcon, of course.
We focus on the defiant transporter room. There are cables running everywhere. Is all this really necessary? It's the best I can do! How long until we're ready to try retrieving their patterns? I'd say... Uh, another hour. O'Brien's gonna kill me when he gets back. We focus on the holosuite secret volcano layer. Derek and Bashir are fastened to the support struts of a laser. Ah, yes! This is one of the 74 lasers I've deployed around the world. Ah, yes! When I throw that switch, it'll begin a five-minute countdown that even I can't stop. Once the laser fires, the whole cave will be filled with molten lava! Where's Colonel Komononov? She's a spirited individual. Young, healthy, we'll need women like her to help propagate the second human race, yes! He switches on the laser and the countdown starts. 4.59, 4.58, 4.57, Ah, try to stay cool, Mr. Bashir! Cisco and O'Brien leave them to watch the countdown and their impending doom. When we fade back in, it's a couple of minutes later. The clock now at 3 minutes and 44 seconds, and still counting down. So, what do we do now? I'm thinking. Think faster! I don't know if I've made this explicit to you or not, Doctor, but I really don't want to die chained to a 20th century laser. I think it's time to end this program. We can't do that. We'd wipe out the patents of Cisco and the others. Then may I suggest calling Commander Eddington and having him send someone in here to remove these handcuffs? You heard what Otto said. We don't know what will happen. If we interrupt the hollow imaging array by calling for the doors, the entire program might collapse and kill them all. Well, I only know one thing for sure, Doctor. That when the molten lava begins pouring into this cave, you and I are going to be very uncomfortable. Who's that? It's our ticket out of here. It's Dax as Dr. Honeybear, making some last minute checks. <sighs> what a waste. That no one can see what a beautiful woman you are. Dax ignores him and continues on with her work. Is that your plan? Shut up. No only wants you for your mind. He can't appreciate the woman inside of you. Honey, would you grant me one last request and take off those glasses? Garrick groans and rolls his eyes. Oh my god. This request has caught her attention. Like this? She tucks her glasses into her pocket and continues working. You know, your hair would look so much better if it were free. I must say, Doctor, this is more than I ever <laughs> wanted to know about your fantasy life. Dax unpins her bun and her hair cascades down around her shoulders. There. That's the last thing I want to remember before I die. Thank you. Dax starts to leave, turns back, and kisses Bashir passionately. I'd give you both some privacy if I could. They smooch some more. Dax leaves. Great plan. Now, can we call Eddington? That would not be necessary. Julian fiddles behind his back for a moment and then holds his hands up, 
one side free of the cuffs and holding a small key. Honey has given me all that I need. Kiss the girl, get the key. They never taught me that in the Obsidian Order. The countdown clock is at six seconds. Come on! Bashir and Garrick make a run for it as the laser begins to power up. We focus on the hollow suite, a tunnel. The entire tunnel is shaking. Rocks fall from the roof. We have to get to the control room. What? Bashir opens the heel of his shoe and takes out part of a small scale pistol. If the program ends like the others, Ila Komononov or Honeybear will be killed by Dr. Noah. The others are supposed to end up with me. In either case, we'll have to make sure that both of them survive. He adds a fountain pen cap for the barrel, and his garters have the ammunition. He's built the world's tiniest gun. You expect to take on Noah and his men with that? It's my fantasy. Trust me. He starts to head off down the tunnel. Garrick follows. No, this has gone far enough. It's time to cut our losses. We can't do that. Kira or Dax might. Yes, they might be killed, and that is unfortunate. But there comes a time when the odds are against you, and the only reasonable course of action is to quit. Quit? Yes! Is that what they taught you in the Obsidian Order? To give up when things get rough? As a matter of fact, they did. That's why I've managed to stay alive while most of my colleagues are dead. Because I know when to walk away. And that time is now! Now! And you, you know that, Doctor, if you were a real intelligence agent. Oh, so that's what this is all about. The fact that my fantasy happens to step on what you consider to be your private domain. Well, what's the matter, Garrick? Have I bruised your ego by play-acting at something you take so seriously? I'll tell you what's the matter, the way you say my name. There's not something else you've yet to learn, Doctor. A real intelligent agent has no ego, no conscience, no remorse. Only a sense of professionalism. And mine is telling me that it's time to go. Computer! Don't. Julian points his itty-bitty gun at Garrick. Or what? You'll kill me? If you call for the exit, you might kill Cisco and the others, and I'm not prepared to risk that. I'm afraid I don't believe you'll pull that trigger. I wouldn't be so sure about that. It's time to face reality, Doctor. You're a man who dreams of being a hero because you know deep down that you're not. I'm no hero either, but I do know how to make a choice, and I'm choosing to save myself. Computer, show me the mechanism. Julian shoots Garrick. The bullet grazes his neck. You'll be fine. It was merely a flesh wound. That was awfully close. What if you'd killed me? What makes you think I wasn't trying? Doctor, I do believe there's hope for you yet. I'm so relieved. Now we have to get to the control room. Are you coming or not? Well, who am I to question Julian Bashir, secret agent? Lead on. <laughs> we focus on the hollow suite, sitting room. O'Brien is sitting on a couch opposite a handcuffed Kira. Cisco is admiring Dax's new look. Garrick and Julian rush in. Julian has his teensy gun pointed at Cisco. Everyone stay where you are. Julian. O'Brien gets up off the couch and pulls his gun out. Garrett quickly relieves him of his weapon. Your weapon, Dr. Noah. Cisco throws his gun to the floor. This is your doing. You let him go. No. I'm sorry, doctor. Bashir frees Kira. Julian, you just in time. He was about to activate the final sequence of the lasers. Kill him, Julian. Not this time, Anna. Well then, I will. Kira goes for his gun. No! What are you doing? Making a mistake. Worf walks in and points his gun at Garrick. Thank you, Mr. Juchamp! 
too sharp. Cisco retrieves his gun and takes Bashir's as well. Eddington to Bashir. We're going to try rematerializing their patterns in about two minutes. Understood. What is it you understand, Mr. Bashir? That you should have killed me when you had the chance? I agree, but then again, I suppose it wouldn't be very heroic. I, on the other hand, have no pretensions about the idea of being a hero. Cisco aims his gun at Bashir. Wait! Maybe I'm tired of being a hero. Maybe I've thought it over of what you said and decided you're absolutely right. About what? Everything. The decadence of the world. The need for order. The more I think about it, the more I realize your way may be the only way. <laughs> Cisco goes to press the big red button, then hesitates. You expect me to believe that? You are Julian Bashir, a man who has spent his entire life dedicated to fighting again. Yes. yes, but all of that is about to end now, isn't it? You're going to destroy the world and start a new one. What's the use of continuing to defend a doomed planet? Can you see the sense in that? No. No, I'm an intelligence agent. And if there's one thing I've learned, is that there comes a point where the odds are against you, and there's no reasonable course of action but to quit. How do you think I've managed to stay alive so long, when all of my compatriots are dead? It is because I have known when to walk away. We focus on the Defiant Transporter Room. Rome to Ops, I'm ready. You can start translating the neural energy to the Defiant. Acknowledged. Beginning data transfer. We focus on the hollow suite, sitting room. You make a very interesting argument, Mr. Bashir. But I'm afraid I've been looking forward to killing you for a long time. You need to move past that. Beyond that, you need to start thinking about your new world order. You need someone like me. Bashir moves near the control console. If you think that by going over there, you are going to destroy my control console, you're wasting your time. I don't intend to destroy your console, Doctor. I intend to use it. Bashir presses the large <coughs> red button. You've just activated the final laser sequence. You have destroyed the world. We focus on ops. Data transfer complete. I am re-establishing computer control over the station. We focus on the hollow suite, sitting room. On Dr. Noah's map, the land masses are shrinking. It's working just as you planned. You've done it, Doctor. Yes, but somehow I didn't expect to win. I suppose the only thing left to do now is to kill you. Cisco, as Dr. Noah, points his gun at Bashir. Just in the nick of time, Cisco, O'Brien, Worf, Dax, and Kira are beamed out. We focus on the Defiant Transporter Room. Cisco, O'Brien, Worf, Dax, and Kira are beamed in. Oh, oh I, I feel broken. No. What happened, Commander? O'Brien looks around the Defiant. What did you do to me, ship? It's going to take some explaining. Eddington to Bashir, we've got them. Doctor, you can leave the hollow suite now. We focus on the hollow suite, the sitting room. Only Everest is above sea level on the giant map behind Julian and Garrick. Thank you. 
Interesting. You saved the day by destroying the world. I bet they didn't teach you that in the Obsidian Order. No, no. There was a great deal they didn't teach me. Like the value of a good game of chance, or how indulging in fantasy keeps the mind creative. Lunch tomorrow? Of course. But why don't we have it at your place in Hong Kong? Unless, of course, this was your last mission. Oh, I think it's safe to say that Julian Bashir, secret agent, will return. Hmm. And because of a cease and desist letter, we never see him again. <laughs> And that concludes our reading of Star Trek Deep Space Nine's Armen Bashir from the fourth season. Hey, everybody. I'm Dave Mader uh, coming at you here. And uh, let's bring in our cast for this great episode. First, I want to bring in our special guest star and the uh, and our Julian Bashir tonight. What a laugh! What a laugh! What a laugh! What a laugh! How dare you invade my privacy? <laughs> privacy. Disruptible. Disruptible. Disreputable. Oh. Disreputable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Disreputable. Yeah, yeah, it was like three three tries. I was like, no. I love like, that no. you went went back around and said it wrong again. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> it was too good. Uh, let's bring in next um, uh, Tom Mott Tyrell, who was a couple of our Bond girls tonight. And it was our computer and Quark. Hello. Yes. Uh, uh, Sometimes we have uh, smaller and, and weaker weeks in terms of like content. Mott, you definitely were uh, on the smaller end this week. Uh, <laughs> okay, this week. Goes. Each yeah, each episode has different you know, you know needs and things like that. So um, also uh, let's bring in Jeff Mater, our Garak. Garak. who didn't appreciate the way Bashir says his name in this. Garak. <laughs> Garak. Yeah, no, he was fun. Fun. He's a fun character to read lines for because he's his inflections are, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, and like this is the first time we've really had like a Garak full episode like this. I think we he's like in terms of us in playing that character. So um, that was he's a lot basically of fun. a psychopath. You have to read him like a psycho. Yeah, you know, like, right. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and also let's bring in our um, our well, Kevin Millard in the role of Michael Eddington, as well as Ashley Millard in the roles of um, Colonel uh, Anastasia. Come or how would I? No one really said her name, her name twice, but come on enough. Come on enough. Come on enough. Come on enough. Coming on, who is Docs? Who is Docs? The whole who is Docs bit was really funny. Everything, but my my also favorite is when you had to say like that Russian city name, and she's like, I don't know how to say this name. I don't know. I don't know. Some place in Russia. I can't speak Russian. That whole scene's funny too, just because like Bashir and Garrick are talking to each other, like she's not in the room, and that's why she keeps saying who is Dax. But they're like, just shut up. We'll tell you later. We'll tell you later, Anna. You know, you don't need to know right now. Also bringing in, we have Michael Chan in the role of Captain Cisco slash Doctor Captain Cisco. Broken. Broken. Full jazz musician going on. the Chan. Michael Chad, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, Cisco becomes Dr. Noah Hippocrates in this, uh, as well as Jessica Chan in several roles, including Odo, who was like McGruff the crime dog or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was going for, like was going for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Bernie oh, Sanders. Yeah, was it Bernie was Sanders? Absolutely. That was like, absolutely Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Thought, so. I yeah. thought it was so. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought you were being um I thought you were being like the chief from uh where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Uh you know, like the, <laughs> that's deep cuts, deep cuts, that, Dave. Uh, <laughs> you ever like that old game show from the early nineties on PBS? Oh, where she'd be like, no shoes. Nothing like <laughs> <laughs> No, she sounded like the uh the old Jewish guy in the in the uh 
barbershop in uh, Coming to America. That too. That too. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad Ali. So a fail all around, basically. I, this might be my favorite version of Odo. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty awesome. It was so, it was, it, it always was. Sanders. the hand the entire time, by the way. <laughs> it was like this. Yeah, it was very good. Plus, you were also Jed, Jedzir Dax and uh, Honey Bear, and you were O'Brien slash Falcon. <laughs> what have you done to me, ship? What have you done to me, ship? <laughs> Thank God he had so few lines. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, very good. Yeah, Odo definitely my favorite of the of the bunch. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I I was Rom and Worf tonight. Boogie, boogie, boogie. I've never got to play. Um, I've never got to play Rom before. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, but it was kind of a Chris Seymour voice. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it's amazing uh, how much Rom sounds like Chris Seymour. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that until I started having to do lines as Rom, and I, I knew I, I was just going to go Moogie in my head every time, but that's kind of what Chris does. Apparently, yeah. Chris could be Neelix, he could be Rom, he could a be... Backlid. Yeah, Backlid. Well, speaking do? of which... Our next episode of Star Trek Radio Theater is going to be the Next Generation's episode, Samaritan Snare, which is also Chris Seymour, who who we've all impersonated in varying degrees uh, <laughs> for different roles in this show. He's coming in, so he's going to be he's in on the joke now. So I think it's okay. Who's he playing? And who's he playing? A pack lid. The pack lid captain. Oh. Right. Oh. Yeah. He's and someone, smart. I we are smart. Can you make us go? <laughs> um, it's gonna be it'll be awesome episode. if Chris does something totally nope. different like he doesn't yeah. do his own voice at yeah. all like it's, yeah. it's, it's like he's like Richard Simmons like you actually get to hear his real voice <laughs> comes on like he's like he's like Robin Leach he's like no no no, no. Yeah. he could I couldn't even imagine him doing the Richard famous can't be Robin Leach. Uh-huh. So it's that next Saturday, everybody. Is everybody good for that? Uh, yeah. We're going to do yep. Samaritan Snare. We're going to bring in Chris Seymour. Uh, we're going to need a Pulaski for that. I think we're going to need a, a, a oh. Picard, uh, a Wesley right. Crusher. Uh, we're going to need um, uh, a couple other roles, I think, including Jordy. Jordy gets kidnapped in this. Coolant leak? Is there a coolant leak? <laughs> I've been kidnapped in the oh, in the one court breach. Chris Seymour has kidnapped me. Dave. Yes. I already volunteered for Pulaski. All right, yes. You're Pulaski. Pulasco. Um, and so we got all that coming up in a week's time. Um, also, let's plug other stuff. Um, we are going to be doing... Oh, yeah, I'm going to come back so we can plug stuff. Uh, on <laughs> Tuesdays, we do Star Trek D Space Nine rewatches here on Live Long and Podcast. Check out this Tuesday night. We're doing an episode called Fascination, right, Jeff? That's right. We have a very special guest. Tell them all about it, Dave. We got a special guest coming in uh, at Jeff's. Uh, well, okay. So some people have suggested, like, hey, why don't you reach out to Steve Shivs, uh, who's a YouTuber uh, with a Star Trek channel. He does other things, too, but he mostly does Star Trek uh, commentary, I'd say. Uh, so he's coming in for a special uh, uh, appearance on D Space Nine. He says he also wants to be part of our radio theater uh, for, a, for an episode. So we're looking forward to bringing him into that. I'm hoping maybe get him into the Voyager one. We're going to presumably do after Samaritan Snare. Um, you know, he talks about how Voyager isn't his favorite Star Trek, so I think that it would be the right one to inflict upon him. Yes. So that's <laughs> yeah. Well, we can butcher that's it true. here on Star Trek Radio Theater, and nobody will care. Yes. I think he also said that Kess is one of the most underutilized characters or the least amount mm. of uh, foreseen potential. Therefore, I think he should play Kess. So it's <laughs> there's, there's, a plan is formulating uh, for all of that. But yes, Steve Shivs on Tuesday. Watch our Deep Space Nine podcast. Um, check out his channel as well. Uh, but, you know. He likes to curse. He likes to curse. His channels, I think it's called Steve Likes to Curse or Steve Curses, I think is the uh, is the URL. Um yeah, and he does uh, mostly Star Trek. It's called Trek Actually is his series there where he kind of mm-hmm. like does a, a, a series of video essays effectively. So, like Love uh, Actually. Yes, yeah. like Love, but Trek Actually. Yes. And then he does Actually Not Trek Actually. It's okay, we, we, but check all that out. And then <laughs> Wednesday, we're going to be doing uh, original series. Uh, we'd watch a random episode of original series each week until we've watched them all, not in order. This week, we're doing The Conscience of the King which is about uh, Kodos the Executioner. It's not one I remember a lot, but we're going to be checking that out on Wednesday at 7. And then we do Radio Theater, as mentioned. So check out that. Saturday night will be our next one, The Next Generation's Samaritan Snare. 
Um, and what am I, am I forgetting anything else in terms of live long and podcast? Oh, no, no. Okay. Also, uh, our other channel, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting. Right now, Jamil and I are in the, th- the thick of week se- eight. Going into week eight, Jamil. We've been doing this for so long, we can't even keep count the weeks anymore. Big Brother Canada 9, which is a reality TV show that airs on Global up here in Canada. You can check it out. Uh, we'll look at all of our companion podcasts, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Jamil and Robinson and I breaking it all down. That's right. You got the lemon. Uh, and then also our other channel, which is called Super Mater Brothers. Sorry. Trivial debates, I can't even think. Uh, trivial, uh, hold on, how do I bring this in? Oh, so sorry, somebody, I gotta take you out for a second. Okay, well, um, um, okay, so is. just check it out. Our, our next episode of Trivial Debates, uh, we got Eamon Mater hosting, and we're gonna have Adam Woodward competing, Jody Simpson, and Beth Mater, uh, Jeff and I's mother, uh, competing in this one. Jeff, who are you going for? Um, yeah, I guess you gotta go, gotta go hometown team. Beth Mater. <laughs> yeah. He's going with it. Going with it. So check uh check that out next Sunday, April twenty-fifth at Go eleven a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Um we also, Dave, uh will be covering on the Super Mater Bros podcast at some point. The Serpent. The Serpent. We are gonna be I finished Ooh. watching it. Um, I finished this morning. Do you wanna watch yes. come on the podcast with us, Mod? If you have you watched the serpent? Yes, I finished this morning. Awesome. You can Let's come get on Mod the in for the serpent. Very good. We're going to do yeah. that over in Super Mater Brothers Podcasting. Also, I wanted to do The Circle, maybe, but maybe we'll, I don't know if we're going to be able to get that in. So <laughs> that's our And one then we, we have get... Falcon and Winter Soldier in two weeks, I believe. And then we got the Falcon and the Winter. We've got so much going on. We can't even keep up with it all. We need a programming director. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's everything. I think I've plugged it all. Does anybody else have some uh, final thoughts, comments, things like that? Nope. 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 <laughs> all right. Um, well, I want to give a big thanks to everybody, Jamil, Jeff, the Millards, everyone who's not on screen here, like Mott and the Chans, like, hey, great whoa, effort, whoa. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what's happening? Nothing, nothing. nothing? Wonderful poutine, wonderful poutine. We weren't eating on... No, no. no. Okay, I haven't had dinner yet either, so I'm also looking to get off the air so we can eat and just chill and uh, chat. So thanks so much, everybody. Um, I think that's it. I'm going to just say good night and live long and podcast, and make sure to uh, like, subscribe, and check everything out we do if you like us. All right, take care and have a great night. Oh, thank you.